Norman Dixon's On the Psychology of Military Incompetence is a classic that should be read not because it is true in every detail, but because it offers the military historian, analyst or student an important method to discover and rank the manifold reasons for military error and defeat. Dixon deploys psychological theory in a lucid, accessible way and applies it in several case studies spanning the 19th and 20th centuries. He is, in some ways, constrained by chronology. The British officer types he scrutinizes are creatures of their age, boorish, conservative, and authoritarian. They went to stuffy boarding schools and endured tyrannical parents and schoolteachers. They enlisted in a class system that expected snobbish conformity. And yet, the deeper you read into this book, the more you realize that the specific circumstances of a Raglan, Haig, or Montgomery are less important than their lifelong enlistment in a military hierarchy that constrains and often warps behavior. At the heart of this book is a thesis that all can accept. All human decision-makers are victims of a chronic hazard, that emotion and motivation unconsciously distort and bias all thought and perception. Man's needs, biological, social, or neurotic, act on his perception of the world around him and the decisions he makes. No one, in other words, operates cleanly. Singleness of mind, a key ingredient of successful command, is always under siege by doubts, worries, and distractions. We all churn through a sludge of life experiences that have formed us and left us with key strengths and weaknesses. The challenge for military commanders is all the greater because the stakes of their decisions are so high and because they operate in stressful environments amid hunger, fatigue, heat or cold, sleep deprivation and the relentless ticking of the clock. Not for nothing did Napoleon call unforgiving time the grand element in warfare. Dixon uses several case studies to elucidate military incompetence. He begins with the Crimean War, 1854-1856, which Britain undertook in an era of rapid industrialization, prosperity and commercial dominance. Victorian Britain was the last word in efficiency, yet its military stumbled from one bloody disaster to the next, piling up 21,000 mostly avoidable dead. How could this be, in view of Britain's world leadership? Much of it, Dixon finds, had to do with the command performance of 66-year-old Lord Raglan. An extreme introvert who died of severe depression during the campaign, Raglan drifted like a rudderless ship. The officers under him suffered a familiar dilemma. If they took matters into their own hands, they could be accused of insubordination. If they let the rudderless ship drift further, they could be accused of incompetence. Ultimately, Nothing was done, and the British troops and taxpayers bore the brunt of the systemic and commanding competence of which the notorious charge of the Light Brigade was but the thin end of the wedge. Since authoritarian organizations like the military are masters at shifting blame, the time-honored tactic of the cornered child, the British army survived the fiasco of the Crimean War unreformed. A major theme of this book is the incorrigibility of military organizations. They must be removed from their pedestals, cracked open and filled with daylight. 
which is another way of saying, subjected to rigorous scrutiny and review. Unfortunately, they rarely are. Raglan's folly, which made the Crimean War, in Dixon's judgment, the prototype for protracted military incompetence, was followed by the Boer War. Somehow, despite the similarities of the two campaigns, fought far away for imperial interests, Britain applied no lessons learned from the Crimean campaign. London's performance in 1899 was even worse than in 1855, its military incompetence straining credulity to the breaking point. Indeed, the British officers took pride in their amateurishness, their clubby good fellowship, and their conviction that any efforts at self-improvement were bad form. They clung to unhelpful routines, like sand crabs clinging to seaweed in storm time. They battled guerrillas on the South African veldt with luxuriant baggage, including pianos, gramophones, chests of drawers, polo mallets, and mobile kitchens and bathrooms. General Redvers Buller commanded the expedition. Like Raglan, he was in over his head. He lacked command experience, imagination, and confidence. He was passive and defeatist. The Boers swept over him like a torrent. He never stopped retreating, and the press nicknamed him Reverse Buller. 